Happy Thursday. You're listening to Detroit Today on WDET. I'm Sandra Sobota, your host for the day, and we are introducing a project that WDET is involved with this year. It's called The Intersection, and it's a cooperative project, a collaborative project from the Detroit Journalism Cooperative, the consortium of five nonprofit media. You can see the work at DetroitJournalism.com, produced by WDET, Bridge Magazine, Detroit Public Television, New Michigan Media, and Michigan Radio. And so this, we've been talking about the Kerner Commission report that was produced looking at the root causes of the 1967 summer events in the city and where we are, where we have gone uh, with specific regard to the African-American community in the last segment with Melba Boyd from Wayne State. I would like to go forward in this segment and talk about the Arab American and Muslim American populations and the political, social, racial dynamics in Detroit and how those communities were involved. So here to tell us, help me sort this out, have some history lessons and present day analysis, our two guests. Ali Harb is a reporter at our partner, the Arab American News. Ali, welcome back to WDET. Good morning. And Sally Howell, who is an associate professor of history at University of Michigan Dearborn. Dr. Howell, I am happy to have you back on Detroit today, too. I'm happy to be here, too. Thank you. All right. So, Professor, let me start with you. A little history lesson. Um, it's common knowledge that Detroit has such a large population of people from the Middle East. How did that migration start? Kind of give us the quick, dare I say, to an <laughs> academic overview leading up to 1967 uh, on those migrations. Well, the very, very quick version mm-hmm. is that people started coming to the Midwest as peddlers around the turn of the last century. Um, you know, just before that, sort of working their way from city to city, and they stopped in Detroit. In Detroit, Detroit became a hub for peddling, so people would, families would stay. Peddling. Peddling, Not yeah. cycling. Not cycling, peddling, selling goods out in the countryside uh, by foot or by wagon. And uh, when uh, the auto industry started to heat up and really started to mass-produce cars, and in particular when Henry Ford created his $5 workday, and when Detroit started to grow really quickly, this became a hub for people. So a lot of Arabs uh, moved here from the East Coast, or this was a period when there was sort of rapid immigration coming from that part of the world, and people came to Detroit, made Detroit their home. Um, uh, when Ford built his factory in Dearborn, a lot of the Muslim Arab Americans followed him to Dearborn and uh, settled also in in Hamtramck. I mean, in Highland Park, they had been right next to the Ford factory. And in Dearborn, they were also right there in the South End neighborhood, which is right next to the Rouge plant. Um, and they were there. They survived the Depression there, built a few mosques there. On the east side of the city, you also had a Christian population uh, from the Middle East who were slightly less likely to be uh, uh, industrial workers. They were more likely to be uh, grocery store owners, small business owners, things like that. And they also had several churches on the east side. Um, over time, those communities, well, in 1967, that's kind of where people were. The Christians were on the east side of town. Uh, the Muslims were in Dearborn. Uh, there, were, there was also a, a population population of both in Highland Park, and there was a growing population, still pretty small, but a growing population of Chaldeans in the Seven Mile area. Okay, so 1967 happened. Uh, we know the events in the city of Detroit with uh, rebellion or riot, as some say, with what happened um, in the city, mainly focused on the African-American population there. And we're certainly digging into what those events mean to African-American situation, uh, moving towards two societies, as the Kerner Commission said. So talk to me a little bit about how that the summer of 1967 affected Arab Americans, Muslim Americans? Well, so uh, in the first place, um, 
1967, before, <laughs> before July, before the hot summer here in Detroit, before the uprisings here, um, there was June. And on June 6th, there was a major war um, where um, it was basically a war of expansion for Israel where they occupied the West Bank, the Sinai, they occupied part of Syrian territory, the Golan Heights, and created a new, a second sort of wave of uh, refugees that, that were uh, cast out of their homes in Palestine. And for people in Detroit, for the Arab American community here in Detroit, this was just uh, very shocking. Um, it was just beyond <laughs> shocking kind of event. It was an you know, an utter defeat for their community. Um, the 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 Jordanian and Egyptian armies had been sort of massing their troops along the border. But the way it was reported in the American media, the Arabs had attacked Israel and Israel had responded in self-defense. Um, that was whereas that's not exactly what happened. But that was how that was how it was reported here, and people didn't have alternative sources of media. So this was very shocking and upsetting for people. And Israel, when it struck, it actually just destroyed. Um, Egypt's air force just you know just you know destroyed it. The, all the planes were on the ground, right? They did. <laughs> so this um, gave them uh, air advantage, and they it was just an, a, a terrible defeat for the Arab armies. And uh, uh, so a lot of people here, you know, remember that period. One is one in which they were hearing something from the media, like the media was just celebrating. Israel's victory, right? This was the Vietnam era. And America was still, you know, really suffering in our conflict in Vietnam. And Israel sort of became a surrogate for the United States in the way that we reported on this. Look, this little country is defeating all these neighbors. You know, it's it's standing up for itself. It's, you know, they're, they're, they're what we should be, you know, rah, rah, Israel. And the Arab Americans were horrified by this. One man told me that he uh, he was an engineer working for Ford Motor Company, and he was so humiliated by this defeat and, you know, uh, by the way the media was covering it that he called in sick for two weeks. He just skipped work, right? So this was a time when the Arab community was still small. We didn't have opportunities. The community didn't have opportunities like this one to come and talk and share their story to other people. Most Detroiters weren't even aware that, uh, that there were a lot of Arab Americans here. So um, it was, you know, I think the Arab community was still sort of reeling from that issue when the uprisings happened in the city. Yeah. So, Ali Harb, you report for the Arab American News. Uh, t- talk about the Arab American population in the city of Detroit at the time. Business owners, auto workers, how has that community evolved since then? Well, it certainly was much smaller. Uh, there were more auto workers then than there is today. Um, and today you're going to see a lot more, uh, many more business owners, small business owners particularly. Um, and because business ownership is something that's essential to the Arab community. I remember growing up in an old country in Lebanon, uh, it was said that you need to be your own boss. You need to have your own business. And after the uprising, after many uh, white store owners moved out of the city, the Arab American community saw an opportunity in that, that hey, there is no one we could go and take that place. And uh, as I reported in my story for the first in- installment for this project, they pride themselves. They say, hey, we stuck around, everybody left, we stayed. And uh, right now we continue to be a part of the city and we want to grow as the city recovers. 
So the Kerner Commission that was produced after 1967, looking at the root causes of the uprisings in Detroit and other cities, was largely focused on African-American communities. To what extent, and Ali, I'll ask you first, and then uh, Dr. Howell, I guess you'll want to chime in on this as well, but to what extent did the findings in that report reflect what was or has been going on with the Arab-American community in Michigan? Well, I would say until today, Arab-Americans find themselves as gray, not black and not white. So back then, many people uh, sided with the uprising. Uh, They saw a just cause and and they sided with it. As uh, former state rep Rashida Tlaib told me that her father told her, you know, relaying stories from her father, that there was an unjust situation in the city and the leadership did not reflect the community. So um, they found a just cause. They found that it was fair for people to protest but many people uh, saw the uprising as a trap to what's going on. So uh, as some, some folks uh, were activists with the community, some folks were scared for their businesses. And we see the same dynamics unfolding today with the Black Lives Matter movement and how some Arab Americans are identifying with black activists. Some, some Arab Americans are saying, hey, we don't want none of that. We don't want... African-Americans come in and protest in Dearborn. Uh, we want them to stay out. So, Professor Howell, how, how, what's your what, another interpretation or additional interpretation, or would you like to add to what Ali said about how the results of the Kerner Commission uh, sort of comport with the Arab-American experience? Well, I think Ali's right to point out that the Arab community is not one thing. It's a very diverse community, people from lots of different parts of the world and people who are, you know, just arriving to the United States versus people who are third or fourth generation Americans. And then also in the 1960s, just like today, where you lived really mattered. So a lot of Arab Americans lived in Dearborn and Dearborn was pretty famous in 1967 for its its mayor, Orville Hubbard, who was the... Um, uh, the 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 most uh, yeah, the best please, known please in terms we can say on the radio yeah well he was the best known segregationist in the north in that period and he was adamant about keeping African Americans out of the city and uh, out of the city of Dearborn and as, as as local people know Dearborn is you know is sort of embedded in the side of the city of Detroit it's got Detroit on three sides so um, I think there were a lot of Arab Americans in Dearborn who you know they might have sympathized with the African American community at the time, but they weren't exactly rebel rousing and trying to overthrow Hubbard um, because they were benefiting from white privilege, regardless of their status as sort of ambiguous, um, as this sort of ambiguous population. I think at the time, Arab Americans were so invisible that they more or less mostly were white. You know, the, uh, people didn't have a category for them. Uh, a lot of people who lived in the city of Detroit lived in white neighborhoods, and they talk about the riot, you know, basically as something that didn't happen to them. You know, we were like, we were trapped in our neighborhood. You know, we could couldn't go anywhere, you know, but, you know, I saw my neighbors getting clubs or buying guns and talking about how we have to protect ourselves. But a lot of people also said, you know, they heard their neighbors saying they're coming to get us. And they said, wait a minute, these are the guys we work with in the factory. You know, it's not us versus them. Their problems are our problems. We need to live in a more just society. And I think especially after 1967. So there were parts of the community that had really good relations with African Americans, especially in the Muslim community prior to 1967. But after 1967, you really saw this alliance take place in some of the factories. So, for example, the uh, Dodge Revolutionary Union movement, you know, the the League of Black Workers. This was a uh, a radical <laughs> African-American black power, but working class 
um, organization that got started just you know maybe six months after the after the uprisings, and uh, and they very quickly saw the African American activists saw that the conditions in the plant were worse for the Arabs, the newly arriving Yemeni workers, than they were for themselves, and reached out and created solidarity across these communities. And I agree with Ali as well that today, <laughs> the community is also diverse. We have people who are living in the suburbs and, and are very wealthy and are benefiting from white privilege, great public schools, uh, you know, great public universities, you know, they can take lots of business opportunity here in Michigan. And then there are people who are, you know, living uh, Living in the city of Detroit, some of the, the, the neighborhoods of the city, the sort of unreported uh, growth in the city of Detroit, the unplanned growth that's taking place in the city of Detroit is Muslim and Arab immigrants who are moving in on the outskirts of Dearborn and southwest Detroit, on the outskirts of Hamtramck. And they're really shaping those neighborhoods and transforming those neighborhoods, not in isolation from the communities that they live around, but maybe sometimes in isolation, but <laughs> at least <laughs> trying to create solidarity with their neighbors. Yeah. You're listening to Detroit Today on WDET. I'm Sandra Sabota in studio with Sally Howell, Associate Professor of History at the University of Michigan-Dearborn, and Ali Harb, who writes for the Arab American News. So Ali, we're working on this project, looking back to look forward, looking back to understand more about the present day. So as you look at the issues that we're digging into, starting with the issue of power, what other kinds of stories are you telling, seeing, need to be told about the uh, uh, Arab American community in all of its complexity that we've been discussing? Well, with power, we have to look at Arab American power in Detroit first and foremost and through an economic lens, small businesses. But something amazing has emerged over the past two years in that uh, the new administration, Mayor Duggan, has brought on many uh, competent Arab Americans to represent Detroiters, starting with the public health director, Abdul Sayed. And um, we have three heads of departments in Detroit who are Arab Americans. What's interesting about these individuals is that they see themselves first and foremost as Detroiters, as agents of help in the city, people who want to help the community. Uh, the fact that they, are, that they are Arab or Muslim American is, not, is in the background. Um, and when I spoke to them, I sensed that one of their goals is to smooth the relationship between Arab American business owners and the community. And uh, particularly for Mr. Sayed, who is the head of the public health department, he said he also wants to help everybody across the city, especially in the neighborhoods where um, there is some problems where, where activists say a lot of money is going downtown, midtown, and neighborhoods are not getting a lot of attention. But Mr. Sayed was adamant on saying, hey, we want my role is to help the people, the residents. Um, we, we see this also rise of activism within the Arab community from people who want to reform Arab power in the city, that we don't want to be empowered at the expense of the community we want to be empowered with the community. So issues about respect between store, store clerks and customers have been coming up. Uh, uh, Rashid Talib, former, former uh, state rep who represented South, Southwest Detroit, has been talking about this issue that we need to be more mindful. We need to know that the store clerk, the Arab American store clerk, represents the entire community because African Americans in the city, they come and they see an Arab American 
and that's that's the image that you get about Arab American. So there need to be communal empowerment instead of Arab American empowerment at the expense of the community. All right, Ali, thank you. We are going to have to leave it there. I would like to thank both of you for coming in. Ali Harb from the Arab American News. Thank Sally you. Sally Howell from University of Michigan, Dearborn. Thank She's you. the author of a book, Old Islam in Detroit, that digs even further back in history and deeper into history of the complex community. We at the Detroit Journalism Cooperative will hopefully be doing such quality work on our project. I know we'll be doing it as we go into 2016 on the project called The Intersection. It's at DetroitJournalism.com, representing the work of our five partners. Thanks for being with us.